This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin, the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. My name is Ben Bolin. I hang out with Scott and I write some videos here. Scott. Yes. Today we're going to talk about a luxury vehicle. Fantastic. Luxury, just a luxury or a luxury exotic vehicle? Because uh, they kind of—it's uh, funny how they've lumped those into one category now, isn't it? Yeah, that is a luxotic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, that's something you just didn't see in the past. I don't think. No, I think you're right. I think it's a relatively recent development. If you look over the whole span mm-hmm. of luxury vehicles, yeah, historically, yeah, I think so. But what we are talking about now—this is going to sound so shallow, Scott. When I was but a wee tyke, I loved the vehicles we're talking about, which are? Ferraris. I loved Ferraris almost entirely because I was I was one of those kids who had the poster in his room mm-hmm. of the red Ferrari. Oh, good for you. And it painted my room red to match it. <laughs> Did you really? It looked like a nosebleed in there, man. <laughs> and uh, I loved it because... You know, I was a kid. I didn't even think I was ever going to grow up enough to drive. Any and face painting? No face painting. Oh, good. No, never, good never took it there. Mm-hmm. But I just loved the name, and mm-hmm. I didn't know it was someone's last name. I thought <laughs> there was just literally a group of people who sat around a table and made up car names. Mm-hmm. But um, as we as we find out, as we're going to look at in this podcast, a lot of people across the world never lost that fascination with Ferrari. Mm-hmm. I eventually did because I am so very cheap. I just realistically, I can't see myself. So you've, in one. You've, you've come to the realization that it's probably not going to happen. Is that right? Yeah, I've, I've dealt with that. You is know. it? Is it that uh, you, well, you haven't given up? Because you never give up wanting, no. wanting more, right? No. But um, have you just maybe decided that even if you did have the money, you you might not make that purchase? Yeah, one day at a time, man. I could buy an awesome boat for that much money. <laughs> you, know? I, you know what? I'll, I'll be honest about with you about this. I've been. Looking at, remember I, I mentioned project cars not yes. long ago? Yep. 
I've been looking around, and not that this is anywhere in my range, of course, okay? But okay. Um, when you think about the Ferrari, like, uh, you know, the 308 GTS that uh, Magnum PI had, if, you yeah. can, if everybody can kind of picture that in their mind, right? Mm-hmm. You can find one of those in rough condition right now for around $20,000. Really? 20000 yeah. And if you want to go, you know, of course, the better condition, the better, you know, the higher the price. Yeah. But you can also find, like... Right around this area, I found a, uh, a nineteen, or I'm sorry, a two thousand four uh, Ferrari F three fifty five, forty four thousand dollars. That's yeah. bargain basement, and it's not a damaged car. It's not a salvage car. It's not. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. They, they, you know, I don't know what the story is. How they got it so low? If it was, you know, a, a bank owned car or what? But um, they're just trying to unload it quick. And it's forty five thousand dollars, forty four thousand. Sounds like one of those urban legends, my no, friend. No, it's it's not. And you know, honestly. I mean, to be realistic about it, it's worth probably fifty, maybe fifty-four thousand, something mm. like that. Is that with no work? That's it, as is. That's as is, but it's it's beautiful. Yeah, I've, I've seen the car; it's perfect. Um, there's, you know, back tires are, you know, a little bit uh, low on tread, of course, mm-hmm. <laughs> from the previous owner. But um, really, other than that, the car is the car is perfect, and it would be a quick ten thousand dollars that you could make on a on a car flip if you wanted to. Uh. But. Um, you know, you'd have to front the money, but what I'm saying is that it's within the the realm of reason. It's it's possible that you know someone could spend fifty thousand dollars on a on a on a Ferrari instead sure. of getting you know the the uh, I guess the option would be like maybe at that level a Corvette or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, your choice. I mean, it's it's again, it's a six year old car now at this point, almost seven. Well, I'm still, even though I've dealt with the the idea of not being a Ferrari owner. Mm-hmm. Which is one day at a time for me. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, that's how I do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm still fascinated with these vehicles because they get to a certain point in, in just the, the beauty of the design where it's almost like art. Mm-hmm. Really, really fast, really sexy art that's good at cornering. <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> I was kidding about that yeah. good at cornering. <laughs> but, uh, but one thing that, um, we talked about off air last week or so was this fascinating uh article that our one of your guys actually yeah one of the freelance writers that mm-hmm. i uh, i manage here has uh has written an article about uh, how long it takes to build a ferrari and we figured this would be a good uh, good topic for us to tackle today so i mean should we just give them the number just tell them how how long it takes you want to hold it out? What do you think? I think we just tell them because What's, there's, yeah, what, there's a lot more to that to this than that because we're going to be talking about uh, world car production numbers, mm-hmm. Ferrari numbers in specific, uh, a lot of information. So yeah. you want me to just hit them with the number? Lay it on me. All right. We're talking about the latest uh, – well, latest Ferrari. I was going to say latest and greatest, but that's mm. up to debate. So. Oh, yeah. Don't – don't <laughs> we, we didn't say greatest. So we're talking about the, uh, the Ferrari California here, okay? Mm-hmm. And not the first Ferrari California because this uh, – in the 50s and 60s, Ferrari made another California model, um, and then it went away for several decades, and now the name's come back again. And it's it's different; it's a different car. Yeah, don't call it a comeback. No, we'll tell you we'll tell you why it's different in mm-hmm. a little while. Um, it takes approximately uh, three weeks to build a Ferrari California from end to end, from start to finish, and uh, that's not all at one place. Mm-hmm. That happens in two different buildings. There's a um, there's an engine shop, um, and that's where you know one of the things that this article points out is that you know for well, since the beginning, they've had this mystique of having, uh, in fact, the, the art writer says mystique of, of being hand built. Sure. Uh, or handcrafted is how the person put handcrafted mm-hmm. workmanship. Um, and although most of this car is assembled by hand, some of it is now being assembled by robots. 
some have uh, there's some you know robotic control going on in the uh, in the engine area where you know they do it for precision and just cleanliness things like that uh, so that you know it's it's 100% accurate every time um, and uh, it's that's not the only place too I mean I mm-hmm. found out later that um, the leather is also hand cut I'm sorry uh, leather is machine cut now. and then hand sewn ah. now it is it used to be all hand cut hand sewn now it's machine cut hand sewn mm-hmm. and that's just for again for efficiency so they can get the most out of every piece of leather uh, it's not that they're you know scrimping on the materials or anything like that of course they're uh, they're just trying to make the most out of what they have um, well let's also take a second to point out for those who don't know uh, the Ferrari California is not made in California no it is made in a little town called Marinel. Oh, I'm butchering this so bad. That's all right. I guess it's my turn. Huh? Sure, go ahead. You take it. Uh, Marinello, Italy. And that is the Ferrari factory. And when I hear about this place, it sort of reminds me of Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It probably is. It probably is. What made you think of, uh, think of that though? Cause, um, have you ever seen the photos of people working there? I've seen photos of the building. I haven't seen the photos of the guys. Okay, are they, they, are they all in, uh, like white? No, no, uh, well, close. They're wearing, uh, they're all wearing Ferrari red jumpsuits. Ah, okay. And, uh, have very much the company look, you know, the, uh, mm-hmm. the, you know, the very, uh, well, bright red, of course, Ferrari red. Yeah. Um, jumpsuits when they build these cars, you know, to maintain cleanliness and just, Uniform appearance, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really, it's uh, like once that's the point where we're talking about where all the pieces come over to be assembled. Right. right so, when it all comes together. So these, these sub assemblies that are built elsewhere and they come to the factory and that's where they're hand assembled mm-hmm. piece by piece. And that's why it takes so long. It's, uh, it's, it is a three week process. There's about 30 stations and each one the car stays at for about a half an hour. And, uh, if you, and there's another line that produces, uh, V12 engines because the California is a V8. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another yeah. line that produces the cars that are uh, V12 cars. Uh, those cars stay on the, the assembly line for – each station, rather, for about an hour versus a half hour. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the factory is kind of interesting. If you can catch the video of this at all, just you maybe want to. And they say that it's uh, it's not a bad place to work, really. And according to this article, it says there's only one shift at the Ferrari factory. Uh, there's They don't work – you know, yep. two or three shifts like uh, you'll find up in Detroit right. or, you know, wherever else they're manufacturing cars. Um, it's just that they, they work one shift. Uh, maybe that's part of the reason why it takes longer to build these cars. Um, you know, 8, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And at 5 o'clock, it says that there's there's no rush to get out of the factory. It's not. It's like uh, everybody just kind of casually strolls out whenever they get out. And uh, it's, there's no, you know, I've got to get home and do this. I just hate being here, that type of attitude. It's it's um, it's um, It's just a nice place to work, apparently. It's Italy. You don't have to be in a hurry. <laughs> That's true. It's sort yeah. of true. Here we it's have to the be European in a hurry. way, huh? Maybe, maybe it's, it's only Italian. We're going to get some. I'm sorry. We're going to get some mail. No, that's all right. That's all right. Well. Let's. Do you want to talk about the numbers for the Ferrari? Yeah, I do. And mm-hmm. there's some a couple of uh, asterisks, I guess, that we got to add to this. Yes. Is that, um, you know, they're they're talking about now that, and this is kind of a a hazy number here, as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned, because they never really outright say how many there are. I couldn't find a number for the Californias outright, but our writer uh, claims that there's probably about 8,500 cars a year um, mm-hmm. being produced right now. 8,500, which is quite a few. And of those, the Ferrari California is about 2,500. Oh, really? Okay. Approximately. Okay. 
Yeah, that sounds right. About about twenty five hundred a year. That's yeah. right. Because they have many other cars that they build at the same mm-hmm. time. Um, I don't have a list of the models right in front of me, but I think there's four, maybe five, being mm-hmm. produced right now. So, um, it, right when we're talking. <laughs> so, um, um, yeah, eighty five hundred cars a year. The problem with this number is that, although it sounds like not many, mm-hmm. it's cutting into the exclusivity of the Ferrari brand because a lot of people say, well, you know, why aren't they building a thousand a year? Why won't they just keep it, you know, minimal yeah. like it used to be? And if you want an example of how um, exclusive the Ferrari Club was at one point, ooh, uh, I do, and I it do. kind of, you know, what it still is. I'll, I'll give them that. I think it still is mm-hmm. because uh, you know, it's, I mean, every every year, of course, there's going to be an addition of however many cars you, you've built mm-hmm. that year. Obviously, there's going to be some, you know, some that go away due to you know crashes. Some are going sure. to be used for road courses only. Some are going to be um, some cars and movies, museums. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. There'll be some that uh, just kind of well, some that are just forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, found hopefully decades from now. You know, in a barn somewhere. That'd Fingers crossed. Cool. But but uh, here, let me show you how exclusive it used to be compared to now and why somebody might have the argument that, you know, maybe it's not quite an exclusive club like it used to be, that, you know, anybody can get one even though they're uh, $200,000, okay? Because the, the California is $192,000, I think. Yeah. And that's without any extras, any, you know, additional features that you want to add. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Ferrari's been around since 1947. That's when they first built their, or when Ferrari first built his uh, first road-going cars. Mm-hmm. Um, now I have a list of production numbers from forty-seven to two thousand one, and then I've got numbers that go beyond that. Um, you know, in between there's a gap, but I can tell you that you know now they're at eighty-five hundred. Digging deep, man. All Nin- right, nineteen forty-seven. This is according to Ferrari Life, which is kind of an enthusiast site, mm-hmm. um, and I found these numbers elsewhere as well. You know, it's not just one place. Um, nineteen forty-seven. The production number three. Three cars? Three cars. Well, they were just getting started. Three cars. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, post-World War II, mm-hmm. uh, just getting there, just uh, just beginning. But um, in fact, you can find a video of the first, the very first car online, a Ferrari, um, the first road-going car, which is still in existence. Uh, there's That's a guy that- Bananas. Ed something. Ed uh, starts with a W. Um, he lives out in Arizona, and he's got several, I think he's got a dozen cars that he's kept over the years. He's collected since he was 11, I think. Um, you can see a little YouTube video of him and the car. The car runs and drives, and he's entered it in many events. Um, the guy's just standing outside of a barn with a bunch of old piles of junk around him, tractors mm-hmm. and things, and he's got this Ferrari, the very first Ferrari road car in his garage. And he brings it out, and he's he, like he's got a you know baseball cap on, scruffy beard, overalls. Not somebody you expect to be having the uh, the first Ferrari. He's, he's owned it since 1968. I've got to ask Scott. Yeah. You say he started collecting cars when he was 11? 11, yeah. Yeah, he traded, and I thought, you know what, I, I have this somewhere. I think That's so here. weird, though. Yeah, he started collecting his first, it says, um, here's an article that I found online. Um, his first acquisition was a 1920 Dobble speed, uh, steam car that he traded two tons of hay for, and he kept the Dobble up until last year. So wow. he's, he keeps these a long time, but he has twelve cars, and they're all in different museums. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Ferrari, however, it was in his in his uh, barn, um, and it's in pretty much. It says it runs strong. It, it looks good. It's in basically an original condition, so it's never been painted. Um, I think he put new gauges in it, maybe mm-hmm. at some point. Okay, but everything else is all original. The thing looks uh, looks 
pretty amazing, pretty pretty authentic original. That, that's a heck of an advertisement. It, it, yeah, no kidding. So no where where they go from three? Oh, from three. Let's see. We, we talked in the 1947. They had yeah. three. All right. I'm just going to skip through the years here and, and mm-hmm. some of the milestones. But uh, by 1957, he was up to 113. Okay, this that's is Enzo, good. Enzo that's, Ferrari production, yeah. right? Um, by 1970, it was like 928. Broke the 1,000 mark in 1971, where it, the production went up to 1,246. Hmm. Um, in 1980, so 10 years later, production's already up to 2,470. But by the time we hit the 80s there, the Ferrari was still what I would call a waiting list car, right? Yes. You know, at that point it was, and um, even more so now. And that's that's another thing we'll talk about in a moment. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, by the time they got to... Let's see. I think it was around the, the early '90s. It was around, like '94. I see here is the, the production was 2,671, and when they were breaking that 3,000 mark in '95, they were going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people. That's when a lot of people said, kind of spoke up and said, "What's going on? You know, why, yeah. why so many?" Um, and of course, the company wants to make money. The company wants to get their cars out there. They're fantastic cars, and if they're still built to the the standards that they they were always built, mm-hmm. uh, why not? I mean, I don't, I don't understand why they would do that. I mean, sure. of course, the people that own them want them to be exclusive, but and they're willing to pay for that too. That's part of the brand. Yeah, exactly. And you're you're paying for part of that exclusivity, and that you know it's a hand built car. It's very low production mm-hmm. numbers. Um, so then you can imagine what it was like, you know, in, in um, 2001 when they're up to 4,305, and oh, uh, yeah. you're ready to ready to break into 5,000 the next year. They're even talking about 6,000 in the next few years, which, as we know now, they've they've more they, well, they've doubled that number. Yeah. Um, so from 1947 to 2001, the total production, all Ferraris in the world that have mm-hmm. ever produced road cars anyways, 96,699. So, uh, we're tied, you know, it's well above 100,000 cars at this point. Wow. Um, but you know, you, again, we have to talk about the ones that have, have gone away and, you know, et cetera, mm-hmm. just aren't, aren't on the road. As a point of comparison, we've got this in, in the article too, uh, the Ford F-Series trucks, in 2009, yeah. Ford Company made more than 400,000. No kidding. So Four. over one year, they made more vehicles than the entire 400,000. Yeah, you're right. You know what? Ferrari run. Oh, they made, they made four times as many. Yeah. As, uh, the entire Ferrari run. And that's from, uh, what, 63 years ago? Wow. Is that right? Am I right? 73? Yeah, 63, 73. Something like that. You know, I was raised with the calculator, Scott. <laughs> yeah, let's just uh, leave it at that. And um, so anyways, I mean, if you think that's – now, that sounds like a lot of cars, right? They built 100,000 like cars. cars. Well, I've got 2009 production statistics, and these come from uh, a place called Oika, O-I-C-A. Oika? I, don't, I don't know if they actually say Oika or if they just say O-I-C-A. They probably say O-I-C-A. It's, it's been around from 1919. It's a Paris organization. It's the Organisation Internationale des Constructeurs de Automobile. You baffle me with your command of French. Yeah, I know. I sound a little <laughs> bit like Pepe Le Pew. But um, really, it's been it's been changed now to International Organization of Motor Vehicle Manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Easier for me to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can find them at oika.net, O-I-C-A dot net. And uh, they get they have production numbers from 1998 all the way through 2009, and very detailed production numbers by country, by, by the number of cars, commercial vehicles, uh, you know, a total of both, of course, and a percentage change from the previous year. Nice. So, um, looking at the numbers here, and I've got them, I shuffled them uh, by the number of cars. 
and China comes out at number one for 2009. Uh, they produce 10,383,831 cars. 10 million cars. 10 million cars were produced in China. And, uh, that's, and that's not including the commercial vehicles, which are another three and a half million. Dang. Their total production was around thir- 13 and three quarter million Vehicles. So almost 14 million. Almost 14 million vehicles in China. And then if you want to go up the list, uh, number two is Japan with uh, uh, 7.9 million. Uh, USA was number three on the list at 5.7 million. Germany, 5.2 million. South Korea at 3.5 million. And it goes on and on up to about, you know, the 50th, which is uh, Serbia, you know, where they have 10,000 vehicles. So there's, uh, there's, a dramatic difference in numbers here, and you'll see mm-hmm. see where the cutoffs are if you shuffle them different ways. Um, so total production for 2009, are you ready for this? Here we go. This is the number of commercial vehicles and cars combined total. Approximate. Approximate. <laughs> Almost 62 million vehicles were built last year. Where are we going to find 62 million people? 62 million parking spots. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, 62 you million me. people's easy, but the yeah. parking spots, come on. So, uh, um, yeah, a lot of people so get in the cars. You're talking about happens. 62 million cars mm. on the road just last year, brand new. Now, you know, there's 8,500 Ferraris total. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a tiny, tiny little drop in the bucket, really. Right. I mean, it's yeah. still, you're, so when you're talking about numbers like this, I'm, I'm trying to get to the point that there's still an exclusive club. You still, mm. I mean, I, I kind of live near one of these places, near a, a Ferrari dealership. I see them going back and forth and that's it. I don't really know where they live or, you know, see them on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Just the, you know, the maintenance vehicles or whatever you want to call them. Right. You know, mechanics taking them for a ride. Um, you know, test drive. That's, uh, that's why I see them, but uh, I'd say it's still fairly rare to see a Ferrari on the road. Absolutely. Fairly rare. Not, and, not entirely in, in all areas, but fairly rare. And stop me if I'm stealing your thunder here, buddy, but one thing that we need to point out at this point is that need to point out at this point? Really? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, that's all right. Let's just go with it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one thing that is very important to remember when we talk about the exclusivity of a Ferrari in the modern era of auto manufacturing, if you look at the proportion or the ratio, then Ferraris are inherently more exclusive than they were before. You know what? You're right because. Overall, worldwide production was much lower at that point when they're making 900 cars, mm-hmm. much, much lower. You could argue that it was 10 times lower, sure. which is, you know, what it is, it's 10 times the amount that it was then. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's staying pace, you know, just keeping pace with the rest of the world as far as production numbers go percentage wise. I don't know. We'd have to, we'd have to really dig deep and find out the numbers from, you know, 1962 and find out uh, where they, where they were then compared to worldwide production is where they are now compared to worldwide production. Yeah. That would be the only way to do it. That's the only way. Let me ask you though, what's your take? Let's get a bit philosophical, Scott. Mm. What's your take on Ferrari's move toward more modern means of assembly? Mm. Like, uh, we've got this great part in the article where we learned that originally Ferrari's uh, workers who cast engine parts had to train for a long time. And I think the what's our statistic now? It takes about a week, a little more than a week or so. Something like that. Um, because of that automated assistance we were talking about yeah. with the robots yeah. and uh, with these pieces of leather, for instance, being cut in other locations. Do you think Ferrari is losing something? You know what? I... 
I think they do. Yeah, I think it does lose some of the mystique, some of the uh, some of the the charm of the vehicle, in that it goes away that you know every every bolt is not put on by hand and and hand tightened. It's it's some of it's being well the machine you know the uh, the engines being built by machine mm-hmm. or most of it anyways. I know some of that's still hand operation, but yeah, um, it's not the way that you know the guy walks over to the parts bin, brings back you know. Eight pistons with him, or twelve pistons with him, and then right. uh, you know assembles the entire. You know, you know what I mean. It's it's yeah. just not grabbing each part, looking at each part in your hand, inspecting it, making sure it's correct, and then putting it in, tightening mm-hmm. it to spec, and then pushing it down the line to the next guy. It's not that way anymore. Um, now I know that the rest of the car is is very care. You know, they're very careful and they're very attentive to detail. But um, yeah, I think just having robots involved in the process is is taking away something from the brand just a bit. You know, do you I, think? I, mean, I, uh, I gotta say, you know, usually I'm much more of a futurist, I guess would be the word. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to something like this, the exclusivity, that sort of intangible quality of the, the amount of detail and human effort put into building these machines, uh, I do think that there is something lost there. Unless Ferrari is also making the robots. If the robots <laughs> yeah. are handmade, then I feel like that. I don't that's know. A good, I, I don't think so. I don't think they're Ferrari they're robots. Not they're, robots. No, they're not Ferrari robots, <laughs> and they're not handmade robots. I don't think. You know what? Maybe they are handmade robots, but yeah. they're they're probably not Ferrari robots. Here we go, Scott. The uh, official business yeah, advice exactly. for Ferrari. No, no, no. And I think uh, you know, I'm sure that there are other cars out there that are still completely hand built. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you know, it takes a lot you know a lot longer than you might think. I mean, if you were talking about a, a you know an automated well, a combination automated hand-built assembly process that takes three weeks on a car, that's an awful long time compared to, you know, the, the number of, uh, well, F-150s that they're cranking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't build 400,000 F-150s by hand every year. You just can't do it. You don't have the workforce to do something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I'd, I'd argue that you can't build 8,500 Ferraris by hand each year. I think it's just too much. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. No, it's just too much. I mean, they'd have to run, you know, three shifts like we were talking about. Uh-huh. And then, then you're getting to the point where, you know, maybe the working conditions suffer a bit and, you know, the people get tired and. And how uh, do you source the materials? Cause especially on the interiors, you know, we're talking very high end mm-hmm. stuff. So it might be that these, there's not enough of this material for some component of the vehicle to exceed a certain number. Could be. Oh yeah, you I mean you're talking if they get up into the twenty thousand sure. mark or something yeah. like that. Well, they're talking that you know it's going to go up to ten thousand mm. soon. Um, and I I completely see that happening because if they're at eighty five hundred now, they're just going to continue to refine what they're doing right now. And of course, you know if you're cranking out cars that are worth two hundred thousand dollars, mm-hmm. you're going to want to build fifteen hundred more a year than than you currently are because what does that mean for you in in revenue? It means a lot more. Yeah. Um. It, but- it just it makes sense. But Scott, watch, watch as I shake my fist in, in futile anger <laughs> yeah, at really the sky. Are. Why won't the price go down? Yeah, well, maybe they will. Maybe, maybe they will. Maybe if I, if the, it's funny to say it, but if the market's flooded for with Ferraris, uh, <laughs> yeah, then maybe maybe the uh, maybe the the price will come down. But you know what? If we look at the numbers like what we talked about, it's just, it's just not going to be that way. No, it's no. not. It's not going to be flooded with them. There's still a low volume production facility. And uh, and I like it just the way it is. <laughs> yeah, me too. So yeah. if you are a Ferrari owner, uh, never you fear. Your vehicle is still just as exclusive, perhaps even more so than it was uh, possibly when you bought it. Exactly. And uh, it just becomes more so with age. Mm-hmm. You know what this makes me think? Maybe in the future we could take a look at some uh, handmade cars. Oh, very good. Yeah, because there's a, there's a lot of them out there. Yeah. There really are. I mean, more than you would think. 
more than you would think. Definitely more than I would think. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Cause, yeah, we'll find some obscure examples and, yeah. uh, and get them in here. Well, I guess that means it's uh, about time for us to head out. Right? Sounds good. Yep. yep, sounds good. Um, of course, you guys already know about our Car Stuff Facebook. If you don't, please be our friends. We're awesome on the internet. We're also on Twitter. Which oh, is that's right, yeah. Car uh, stuff. Car stuff. HSW. Mm-hmm. That's the easiest way to find us. And we also have a blog where you're going to find all sorts of information that maybe didn't make it into an article. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. I've been using it mostly for uh, podcast updates and things like that. But uh, yeah, sometimes I'll throw some extra stuff in there. I've, I've been adding a lot to Facebook and and Twitter here and there. So taking up a little bit of the blog stuff but we'll, we'll see how it goes here and do and our question for you guys uh today is do you own a ferrari do you want one we won't give you one but we would <laughs> love it if you sent us an email at carstuff at howstuffworks.com for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com let us know what you think send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com Notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was wounded. But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.